Big gym. So we got church happening in those places right now. What's up? What's up, microsites? We're glad you're part of our family. Uh, for those of you that haven't had a chance to meet me yet, my name is Ricky, and I'm the, the campus pastor for our East County campus. And it's been about, I guess, a year, maybe a year and a half since I've been able to, to, to have a chance to share with all of my rock family. And so I feel like a kid that's gone off to college, and then you come back home, right? And then you guys gave my room away. What's up with that? Uh, it's, uh, and for those of you that know my story, that I know about my wife Nova and my son Elisha, and we, we tried to adopt and have another child. Our son is 13, and we tried for four years, and, and the Lord said no, and uh, so we gave up, and then the Lord said yes. <laughs> so well, we have a little girl now, and she's going to be two years old in October. Here she is. This is Shiloh Joy Lila Page. Not, that's me. Hi. So there she is. Yeah, there she is. Uh, so... What she's doing in this picture, <laughs> I love clapping for her. Okay, so in this picture, what you see is, is it's actually a four-part picture. She is addicted to lip gloss. She cannot stop having it on her lips. Ladies, you may know how she feels. She doesn't leave home without it, and I think she just eats it. I'm not sure, but so far, she's not getting sick, so we keep giving it to her. We have lip, lip gloss everywhere, and, and she loves it. Uh, but that's our little girl. She's 100% princess, and yet she wants to wrestle with the guys. Like, she's in there with the, any ladies like that. Like, you're kind of like a little tomboyish, but you're, you're princess. You can admit that. All right, ladies. That's okay. That's my girl. Hey, uh, I, I want to say uh, that uh, there's some good news and some bad news. Okay? Before we get started, you want the good news? The good news. Okay, here's the good news. You made it. I mean, it's been a long summer, three months. Our pastor hasn't even been here. And you guys are in your seats here or wherever you're sitting. You made it. And you're still here. That's awesome. That's exciting. That's good news. Is that good news to anybody or just me? I think that's exciting. There's a lot of distractions this summer that you could have fallen into. And you, and, and you hung in there. That's great. Okay, the bad news is I was at Costco yesterday. And they have Halloween costumes and Christmas ornaments. They have Christmas decorations. I mean, summer's over. Does anybody get sad when summer's over like me? I get sad when summer's over. I mean, I know we live in San Diego. It's like 70 degrees all year round, but I kind of get sad. Are you a little sad? Okay, but cheer up because when Pastor Miles gets back and when we hit this fall in a couple weeks, your mind is going to be blown with what God has. Do you believe that? Okay, cool. Then open up your Bibles to John chapter 21, and we're going to read one of my favorite stories of all time in the New Testament uh, and we're going to study one of the characters in the Bible that, that is closest to me. I relate with this guy. This guy, his name is Peter. And you guys will love this guy by the end of today if you haven't heard much about him. But we're going to read in John 21, starting in verse 1. We're just going to read a few verses here and then we're going to talk about it, all right? John 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going, to, I'm going fishing, Simon Peter told them. We will go with you. So they went and got out in a boat, and that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say this, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. 
The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the, the net of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of, of burning coals where there was fish on it and some bread. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you hungry? What is asking? Turn to your second choice and say, are you hungry for some breakfast? That's the question. It's always a good time for breakfast, right? Hey, uh, I'm going to pray for us. And my friend Taz reminded me that there are Christians all over the place that are getting persecuted and people that are under attack. And we just want to take a moment and pray for them and ask the Lord to open his word. Can we do that? Let's do that. God, we pause in this moment. We think about those who are under persecution and attack for your namesake. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would cover them, that you would send angels, warring angels, to fight for them. And God, we pray that you would save them. God, speak to us through your word this morning, this this evening. Thank you, Lord, for the return of our pastor in a couple weeks. And for those who are in this room who have maybe had some struggle this summer, but they hung in there and they're here. And God, we pray that you would have something fresh for us in Jesus' name. Amen. By John 21, here's what's happened, okay? The crucifixion, the resurrection, and now Jesus is walking around in his glorified body and he's meeting with his disciples and he's having these encounters with his people. I don't know if you uh, knew this or not, but all of us that that make it and we stand before the Lord in heaven, we're all going to get a glorified body. Jesus had a glorified body. And what does that mean? Well, they recognized him a little bit, but he was significantly different. I, I don't know what he looked like. And I don't know what your glorified body looks like. I know I'm going to have a six-pack for sure. (laughs) But in this glorified body, he still had his scars. And that's what's so beautiful about our Lord and Savior as a reminder. And remember, even one of the disciples doubted that that was him. And he he literally said, I want you to put your your, your fingers in the holes in my hands. This is definitely Jesus. And I know people throughout the ages have tried to argue, well, it wasn't really Jesus or it was a ghost of Jesus. This is actually Jesus walking around. And some of his guys, they've gathered and they really don't know what to do with this. They've actually seen him. As far as we know, they haven't had a conversation with him per se. But, but they're, they're just gathered on the shore of this lake and, and they're perplexed and they're confused and they're frustrated and they don't know what to do. And so uh, one of those guys... Peter says, let's get in the boat and let's go fishing. And they all follow. Here's, you need to understand this, this guy, Peter, and how he thought. Simon Peter, like I said before, is one of my favorite characters in Scripture. He is one of these guys that's all or nothing. He is all in. Like go big or go home. He's the loudest guy in the group. He always has something to say. And he's the most full of energy, the most full of passion. He's about 21, probably the, the oldest of the group. And he's just one of these guys that you know when he's in the room. Do we have any of those guys in the house today? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah one right there. Kind of passionate. It held back a little bit. That's all right. I appreciate that. You're in church. Uh, at the 8 o'clock, someone in the back stood up. Like, yeah! You know that's them, right? If you kind of answered that question, like if I said, are you that guy? And you're like, yeah, you're not that guy. <laughs> I mean, you knew when Peter was around. Simon Peter made a, made a big splash wherever he went. I want you to write these verses down and I want you to look them up later, okay? Because this is going to give you a good picture later when you study this guy's life. And I'd encourage you to study this guy's life, okay? 
In Matthew 4, 18, write that reference down. Look it up later. You got Simon Peter and he's with some other fishermen and they're on a boat and they're fishing. And Jesus literally came and said, you know, leave all this and follow me. Now, they weren't just fishing for fun on the weekend, something to do. It was their livelihood. It was how they made a living. It was their income. It was their culture. It was his society. A fisher, fisherman with other fishermen. And, and they had boats and they knew about fishing. And he left all that behind to follow Jesus. In John 13, write that down. Jesus pulls his disciples around. He says, guys, I, I'm going to wash your feet today. Because I want to serve you. And I want you to know I've come to serve you. And Simon Peter said, no, Lord, I, I, I will never have it. You can't wash my feet. I mean, you're the Messiah. You're the Lord. And, and he literally called Peter Satan. He said, get behind me, Satan. It's crazy, right? And, and John 6 there's this, this conversation where, where Jesus is, is speaking to the masses and then he's, he doesn't have anything, any food for them and, and they leave. They're tired of it. They're, they're going to go find another Messiah. And he turns to the disciples. He goes, you guys going to go join them? And Peter proclaims, where will we go? You're the Lord. In Matthew 16, Jesus is taking his disciples on a field trip and, and he takes them to this, this place where there's all this idol worship happening. And in the midst of all that idol worship, Peter says, you are the Lord. You are the Son of God. You are Messiah. And, and Jesus is so taken back. He goes, that's not even your idea. That came from you, from God. In Matthew 17, there's this, this kind of strange event that takes place on this mountaintop with Jesus. And Moses is there and Elijah is there and everybody's glowing. And it's like this crazy experience. And Peter's there and he goes, hey, Jesus, you want me to build a tent? And everybody goes away. He ruins it. <laughs> Matthew 26. Remember, the guards come to get Jesus and, and, and Peter, being as passionate and all in as he is, grabs a sword and cuts off a guard's ear. And Jesus goes, that's not what's supposed to happen. That's not how it works. And, and, and here we have uh, this, this guy and all of his, his exuberance for the Lord. And all of his mountaintop experiences with God, all these amazing things he did with Jesus, followed by all these epic fails. I mean, epic fails. Can you guys relate with that? I can. That's why I say this guy, he, he, I understand Peter. I think like I, I could probably hang out with this guy. You know, Sunday in East County, we had about 170 plus people that gathered. Some were planning on it. Some just spur of the moment decided to do it. But we had this baptism and, and, and we brought everybody on stage during service. And throughout all five services, we baptized over 170 people. And they just kept coming up to get baptized. You know, some were planning on it and had board shorts. But some were in their nice church clothes, you know, like a long skinny tie so you look taller. And they went in the tub. And they got baptized. We had, we had dads baptizing their kids. We had a husband and wife that got married. I literally officiated their wedding on Friday or Saturday. And they were supposed to be on the honeymoon. Decided to come and be baptized instead of going on a honeymoon. That's, I mean, it was like this, this crazy experience. It was, it was like the Super Bowl of, of when God moves. People were coming forward and giving their life to him and getting baptized. And that happened all, all day last week. And I go home and, and I'm, I'm up till two in the morning just going, man, you're amazing, God. Thinking about it, excited about it. Next day is Monday and I take my son and his buddy to In-N-Out Burger and we order the food. I go sit down. I give my son the receipt. He goes and gets the food. And, and we're one drink short of what, we, what I paid for. So I, I, I sent my son to go get the drink. But he had already given the receipt up so he had no proof. So the guy sent him away. 
came back and he said, he said, I can't have a drink. So I decided I'm going to go pay a visit to the counter, right? It was a friendly conversation with the, the young man in the yellow or the, the, the red apron thing and the plastic hat, yeah. Hey, you know, sorry, uh, you know, we ordered a drink, we paid for it, and then we didn't get it. So I can have a drink. And he looks at me, he goes, nope, you can't have one. And he kind of puffed up his little chest. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how old he was, but he looked like he just got armpit hair. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> and I said, well, you know what? I paid for it. No big deal. I'm going to go ahead and just grab a cup. And he goes, over the counter, you're not grabbing anything. Ooh. You want to go? It's $1.50 for a drink. In and out burger, and he wanted to fight me, right? And I was ready to go. It's a dollar fifty, man. It's a matter of principle, right? That's a whole soft drink. And then it dawned on me as I'm looking in this young man's eyes. He probably goes to the Rock Church. If you're here right now, I am so sorry for my behavior. I, it was inappropriate. I just want to say that. Uh, forgive me. I, I just want to say though, that's that's kind of what the Christian life is like sometimes, right? I mean, you have to, I don't know if you think just because I'm standing on this stage uh, and you're sitting there that I don't experience stuff like that. Our pastor Miles doesn't experience, our pastor Mark, or just because we have this title, pastor, we still struggle. All of you, we all struggle. The person sitting next to you is just as messed up as you are. I promise. (laughs) That's just how it works. All right? And and Peter is, is this, this guy who his last epic failure was with a group of people declaring as Jesus is being beaten and and about ready to be crucified, Peter declares to this group of people, I don't know him. I never knew him. And on the third time, I don't know him. He's dropping the F-bomb. I mean, he, he was using coarse language as he denied Christ. And then he saw Jesus face to face. He saw him from across the way. He saw his eyes, made contact with Jesus' eyes. Can you imagine that? I don't know if you grew up in a household like me, but in my household, my dad did not spare the rod or the staff or the two-by-four or the bell or whatever he could find. He didn't spare it, you know? But I'll tell you what would have been worse than the two-by-four or the belt is the look. You know what you look I'm talking about? That look of utter disappointment, of utter disbelief. And as far as we know, that was the last epic fail in Peter's relationship with Jesus. And then Jesus dies, is resurrected, and now he's walking around. But no conversation. And so in, in, in verse 2, these guys, they say, you know what, we're going to go fishing. Peter actually led the troop. I'm going, we're going fishing. We're going to get in a boat, and we're going to go out there. You know, why a boat? Why did he choose a boat to sit in all night long? Because it was an escape mechanism. It's classic escape or withdrawal. How many married folks do we have in here? Thank you for at least some excitement over there. You're excited. How long have you been married? 13 years with a woo. Hey. All right. Let's try it again. How many married people do we have in the house today? (laughs) <laughs> conviction there you go D- Danny nice bud alright so this is what we teach all of our, our, our couples my wife and I as we take them pre- through premarital okay this is what not to do in, in conflict resolution some of you may experience this right it's the classic avoidance alright so your spouse made you mad you're frustrated whatever they did uh, they do it all the time they never stop doing it and you're done right so you're mad, but you don't really want to say anything because you want them to ask you if you're mad just to see if they really see if you're mad. 
So then they say, are you okay? And you go, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> no, no, I mean, are, really, are you, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Like that, I'm fine. The whole body thing, right? The body language, the whole thing. You don't want to talk about it. That's called avoidance. Withdrawal is even worse. Withdrawal is, I'm, I'm done with this conversation. I'm out of here. I'm, gonna, I'm gone. And you, and you go, I'm going to walk the dog. You don't even have a dog, right? You're just out the door. And, I, and then you come back. And unfortunately, sometimes with the withdrawal mechanism, you come back and everything's fine, right? You just avoid it. So withdrawal plus avoidance is really, really bad, okay? Here's the thing. This is just a, this is a free little piece of advice for all you married folks, okay? This is free. Uh, the other couple, the other services didn't get it. Well, I gave it to the 12, but I like you guys more than 12, so I'm going to give this to you. Okay, here it is. When you're upset, when you're frustrated, here's all you have to say, okay? I don't think I can discuss that right now. I need to sit on it. I need to think about it. Okay, so let's pick it up in the morning. All right, now you get a good night's sleep. And don't sleep on the couch. Sleep in the bed. If you need to put pillows up as a barrier, you can. That's right. That's fine. This, this guy, man, he's like classic avoidance, classic withdrawal. He's sitting in a boat. Maybe he's thinking, how did I get here? You remember where, last time he was in a boat? Oh, that's when Jesus said, hey, man, get out of the boat. Come on, let's go. I got plans for you. All right. And now he's back in a boat, sitting there all night long, all night long. They didn't catch anything. And he wasn't the only one out there, remember? Because he said, I'm going in the boat. But the rest of them said, well, we'll do what he's doing. Just know this. When you decide to walk away from God's plans, to avoid God, to withdraw from God, you bring other people with you, whether you know it or not. And here he is. He's hungry. He was up all night. They haven't eaten. He's starving. But more than physically hungry, he's hungry for forgiveness, for reconciliation, for, for just one conversation with Jesus so he can say, hey, God, I'm sorry. In verse 4, we read what happens. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them. Friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. In some of your versions, it doesn't say friends. It says, children, have you any fish? A couple of things. One, Jesus never asked, asked a question to get an answer. He knows the answer. He always asks questions to make a point. Remember, he's in his glorified body and they don't recognize him as Jesus, just some guy on the shore. But he speaks to them in this really enduring kind of fatherly figure like, hey, kids, you guys catch anything? He speaks to them out of affection, out of love. Maybe his heart's broken just a little bit that they're out there, but he went to where they were and then he reaches out to them like children. And his love for us as a father, it goes well beyond what any fatherly, earthly love you've experienced. I told you I waited for my daughter for four years. And I, and I tell you, I wanted a daughter. I, I have a 13-year-old boy, and I love him to death. He's a stud. He's a baseball player. He loves the Lord. He leads his friends to the Lord. I love this kid. But I wanted a girl. I wanted a daughter. I, I, I was raised, had two older sisters. I kind of took care of them. And I just wanted a little. And I'd see these guys, you know, these, these men, they'd have like three or four daughters. I'm like, you don't need three or four. Just give me one of them. You know, for years, I was just like, I just want to. And then the Lord gave us Shiloh Joy, Lila Page. I mean, she is like full of life. Her, li her name literally translates peaceful and abundant. And we haven't gotten to the peaceful yet, but abundant. She's got a lot of life, you know. 
And I forgot what it was like hanging around a two-year-old. I mean, they, they drool, right? they, 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 ram, they just ramble. They babble, babble, babble. You don't understand half the things you say, like milk, water, book. What do you want? I mean, it's just, and, and they always are on the verge of falling, always. Like, they're always like, like this, right? They, and, and you just kind of run around. They talk to strangers. They laugh at things that aren't funny. It's like being around someone intoxicated. It's just crazy. She has her bowl of food, and, and, and she's running with food. And she knows you don't run with food, right? Your bowl of food, you sit down and eat it, right? Everybody knows that. Come on. You're two. Catch up. <laughs> she's running. And, you know, my daughter is just like me. So my wife is a rule follower. My son is a rule follower. If my wife sees a speed limit sign that says 55, she goes 54 just in case. I go 58 because I think maybe they got it wrong. Maybe it's supposed to be an 8, and they just put a 5. I'm a rule breaker. And I'm working on that. But my daughter has inherited my rule breaking. <laughs> so she's walking with her food. And I go, Shiloh. And, and just behind her is, is our white couch and our white rug. And as I say, no, she laughs hysterically and runs because that's what's funny, looking at me. <laughs> and I grab the food out of her hand. I mean, doesn't she know that I care more about my furniture than the joy in her little heart? I mean, why do I react that way? I don't know, but Jesus didn't. Guys, what would you have said if you're on that seashore looking at these guys that are out in a boat? Here you are, the risen Lord, and they're out in a boat. I mean, what would you say to them? Really? I wouldn't even go to him. I just send someone to the shore. Jesus goes there. And, and I love what he says to them. It's, it's, it's profound and, and, and amazing. No, we haven't caught any fish. I mean, these guys are fishermen by trade. They, they know how to fish. Fishermen were burly. They were like, they were thugs kind of, you know, kind of these big thuggish guys. They're fishing, and he gives them advice. They don't know it's Jesus. It's like, put the nets on the other side. Uh, here's, a, here's the thing. For all of you all that go to the gym, those of you at family gym, tomorrow morning when you're at the gym, I want you to look for that guy. He's on the bench. This is him. He's got about 18,000 pounds on, on the bar. And, and every once in a while he gets in, he goes, ah! Right? And then he gets up, he takes a drink, and he towels himself off, and he walks around like he's about to kill somebody, and then he lays back on the bench, and he goes, ha! You see those guys? You know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys are those guys. Stop screaming. It scares people. Right? <laughs> and I want you to go up to him and go, you know, if you didn't arch your back, you would really do better. Just give him unsolicited advice. See what happens. <laughs> hey, burly fishermen, throw your nets on the other side. And they're so distraught. They're so out of their sorts that they just go, okay, whatever. And they throw the nets, and then it's full of fish. And in that instant, they go, we know who this is. We've seen this before. Remember last time he did this? That's got to be Jesus. John says, that's got to be Jesus. And, uh, you know, and, and Peter loses his mind. He, he jumps out of the boat. He doesn't he forget about the fish you know, forget about the other disciples, and, and he just is losing his mind to get to Jesus. Uh, the, the next part of the story is amazing. I want you to look at uh, verse 9, and I want you to highlight it. Okay, I want you to underline it, verse 9 through like 13, because this is what happens. I mean, Jesus greets them on the shore, says that, that Peter got there first, obviously, because he jumped out of the water, into the water, and, and made his way. And the other guys kind of got there, and it says in verse 9 that they started towing, the, 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 the boat started towing the net of fish because there were so many fish. 
and, and couldn't even barely lift it. And, and they get to the shore. Nobody's really saying very much because at this point, they sh- they're, they're not sure this is Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, you guys caught a lot of fish. That's awesome. I says, go, I want you to go, you know, get a fish, grab a fish, bring it over here. And they look and there's this fire. And, and on the fire, there's a pot and a pan. And there's a, like a loaf of bread. And, and he already has some fish that are baking. It's in the morning. And Jesus is making them breakfast. I mean, he's making them breakfast. And they don't know what to do. Uh, right now, I'm making some bacon. I just said the word bacon, and there's a few guys that just woke up like, bacon? <laughs> you can smell this bacon, right? It's smelling good. You kind of catch it, and it makes you hungry, doesn't it? Does it make you a little hungry? Actually, in all of our, our, our multi-sites right now, they're also cooking bacon, so it's like a smell vision. You're welcome. They can smell bacon on all these sites. Uh, yeah, of course, when you smell bacon, it makes you hungry. How many of you do not eat breakfast? Raise your hand. You're missing out on a meal that somewhere along the line, somebody says it's okay to eat donuts and bacon, and that's a meal. So you need to start eating breakfast, right? Because breakfast smells good. Coffee smells good. All these aromas. And you've just been asleep for like six hours, seven hours. And, and, and all of that, the bacon smell starts waking you up, right? And it makes you hungry. Jesus started making them bacon. <laughs> Fish, really. I'm just making bacon. He started making them breakfast on that shore. And the guys just sit around and they eat this breakfast, this meal. Uh, there's going to be a, a bunch of uh, ushers and greeters that, on all the campuses that are going to pass out uh, some, some little communion cups right now. As they pass those out, I just want you to reach in and grab one. Okay? But don't open it up yet. So, so here's what's happening Uh, Jesus should have said, are you serious? He should have given them a lecture. He should have given them a a, a lesson in theology. Instead, he knew that they were hungry, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and they just needed to eat. So he makes them breakfast. Not only does he make them breakfast, but he brings it to them. They don't even have to come get it right now. We're passing you out, these little cups, a little cracker, a little thing of juice. You don't even have to get it. We're just giving it to you. And you just reach in and grab it. Hold on to that. See, see the truth is, Jesus is, is doing the same thing for us constantly, continuously, without our awareness. Some of you here tonight, you've never encountered Jesus ever before, and you need to just observe, right? You're here because someone invited you. And I want to say, if you decide you're going to walk with Jesus, it'll change your life forever, okay? But I just want you to pay attention to the rest of who I'm speaking to. Others of you in here, you've known the Lord for a while and you've walked with God for a long time or maybe a short time, but nonetheless, out of frustration, discouragement, uh, maybe disappointment, maybe God didn't answer your prayer the way you were hoping he'd answer your prayer. You said, forget it. I'm out of here. And so you just ran. And I don't know what your boat was that you set in all night that you're currently in, but it's time to get out of it. And what you need to hear me say is that God isn't waiting on the shore with his arms crossed, tapping his foot, going, "Uh uh-huh, there you are. I knew you'd do it again. Uh, Haven't you learned? I mean, how many times do you have to do that? He's not doing that. He's making you breakfast. He's not waving his hand going, loser. 
Stay in the boat. He's on the shore making you breakfast. He's making you a meal like your mama when you come home. You haven't seen it forever and she just makes you food. That's a good mama. He says, I love you and I want you to eat first and we'll talk later. And it's silent the whole time. The whole breakfast is just quiet. Imagine these men just running from God, confused, disappointed, discouraged, feel bad about themselves, ashamed. God's not mad at them and they're just eating. And God breaks the silence as he speaks to Peter and he goes, Peter, do you love me? Peter goes, yeah, of course. Of course, Jesus. Ask him again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. And a third time, remember, Jesus doesn't ask questions because he wants answers. He asks questions because he's trying to make a statement. And that statement is, I love you. I heard it said like this, he was fixing breakfast, but more than that, he was fixing Peter. He was putting Peter back on track. Get out of the boat, man. You know what, Peter? Peter is one of the pillars of the, the first church. I mean, Jesus saw, he knew that, that that was coming. Peter did not. We know because we have it written down. He was going to be one of the leaders of the first church that would change the planet. God knew that. Peter sitting in the boat probably had a good idea, but didn't know quite what it was going to be like. But he's sitting in a boat. And Jesus says, come have some breakfast. I mean, doesn't that aroma right now make some of you guys hungry? You know, Peter later on in 1 Peter, he says, now that you've tasted the Lord is good, grow up in your salvation. He says, once you taste that, oh, you can't go back. When he was waiting for a lecture, when he was waiting for, for, for Jesus to yell at him, to make him feel bad, that's probably what he was expecting. He got tasty food. And once you receive that, oh, you don't go back to boats. In, in a minute on all campuses, uh, someone's going to lead you through communion. Uh, I, I just would like us to do something. Before we do that, uh, could you all just bow your heads and close your eyes? I, I want you to consider what that was like on the day, that, that the morning that Peter saw this, this, this person standing on the water waving them in. I want you to consider yourself in that boat. And that boat represents whatever it is that you know you should not be doing. And when you get to that shore, it's just, do you love me? Sweet. Then go do what I have designed for you to do. And for you, maybe it's, you need to go be part of the next microsite that's planted or multi-site that's planted. Or you need to get yourself uh, to Impact 185 and get to Haiti or Jamaica or wherever the God's calling you. And, and you're saying no, it's time to say yes. You don't even really have to have a long conversation with God. You don't have to say anything at all. In a minute, when we're led, just, you just take communion. You just eat that meal that he's prepared for you to sustain your soul. You know, maybe for you, it's not getting on, a, on an airplane and leaving. It's, it's actually showing up at your place of business and standing in the break room and saying, you know, guys, I need to tell you about something. Maybe it's on your team that you need to speak up or your family. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. And you're saying no, but it's time for you to hear this. God's not mad that you said no, but he's, he's on the shore. He has food. He wants you to eat. And then he wants you to do what he's calling you to do. Lord, we, we thank you that you trust us enough 
to let us decide for ourselves if we're going to walk with you, what we're going to do. And God, in, in this place, there's people that have been running from you. And Lord, you want them. You don't need them. You want them. Uh, they, they're part of your plan. They're part of the next phase of your church. They're, they're part of what you're doing in San Diego and beyond. And, and they're sitting in a boat. And they don't even know that you have breakfast waiting on the shore. And I pray in the name of Jesus that they would jump out of that boat like Peter. And like a mad person, they'd run to the shore to greet you, to eat. In these next few moments, God, as, as maybe the, the conversations will be few, would you just change some hearts, change my heart? Lord, we bless you. And we come to you ready to just know what our assignment is. And we don't want anything to get in the way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we want to do is uh, go ahead and grab your communion cup and very carefully open up the top part of it. You should peel back very carefully. While you're doing that, if you're... If you're a visitor and you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is just a time to just bear with us a few moments. This is something we do as the body of Christ in remembrance of our Lord and Savior. We're going to take the elements. We're going to worship. We're going to drink. We're going to worship. We just want to allow this time to be reflective in our hearts. So if you have your wafer, go ahead and hold it. This represents the body of Christ that was broken. It was perfect. It was whole, and although he had the power to stop all those who were hurting him, with one command, he could have stopped it. But he chose to endure the pain so that you and I could be made whole through his body. So, Jesus, we thank you for offering yourself to be broken on our behalf. We eat this in remembrance of you. and worthy. carefully. It's a little tougher, so just pull that back carefully. In the cup, there's juice, and the juice represents the blood of Jesus, the perfect and holy blood of the Lamb who was offered as a sacrifice on God's behalf for mankind because he wanted to make peace with us. He wanted us to be restored back to him. So he offered up his son. This is the blood that covers every sin, yesterdays, todays, and tomorrows. And it's the, son, it's the blood that when the Father looks down from heaven, 
He doesn't see sin or struggle, but he sees perfection because of Jesus. So Jesus, we thank you for living a perfect life, for offering your blood for us, for redeeming us and justifying us, for making us holy, for making us right with our Heavenly Father. We drink this in remembrance of you. Before we head out, I'm going to ask the pastoral support team to just come down to the front of the altar here. Just a few things before you go. The altar will remain open. Perhaps you've been in our service. Perhaps you've been in our microsites. And you don't know the Jesus we've been singing to, the ones we've been opening our hearts to, and you want to know him. The altar will be open for you to come down and make that decision. We can walk you through that. If you have a question you don't know the answer to, we'd love to just partner with you with that. We believe that Jesus saves Jesus comforts, and we do believe that Jesus is alive and he heals today. So if you have sickness or disease or pain in your body, we would also love to pray for that here and allow the kingdom of God to just be released over your life. Secondly, if you've been attending our church, we want to encourage you to take the next step and join the life class. It's where you learn the vision of the church, where you learn your gifts, you learn your purpose 
Everyone who's saved is a minister according to the Bible. Everyone who's saved is empowered to release the kingdom of God everywhere they go. It's not the clergy or the pastors, but everyone who's been washed and saved by the blood of Jesus is part of the royal priesthood of God. So we'd love for you to be part of the life class and learn all you need to know so that you can fulfill the call that God has for you. Amen. The giving stations are near all the exit doors. You see the little server boxes. We bring our tithes and offerings with gratitude, so you can drop them off on your way there. We love to celebrate our time of giving because we know that the Lord doesn't look at just the act, but the motivation behind the act. Amen. So let's go ahead and celebrate our time of giving tonight. Amen. And I'll just pray before we go out. Lord, we just thank you for the meal you prepare for us. And that you have something great for us. You're a great God. You're always doing something magnificent. Lord, we lift up our tithes and offerings to you. We bring them to you with thankfulness and gratitude for all the amazing things you do in our lives. Every single day, your mercies are new. So we bring these to you with a thankful heart. Lord, I pray that everyone here would have encountered you tonight, learn more of you, walk closer in your grace. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. God bless you. We'd love to pray for you. See you next week.